0: From the creepy swamps deep in the heart of Cajun country, I welcome you to Fave 5 from Fans, the podcast where I, Jamie Ray, your humble host, invite a friend of mine to create a list of five of their favorite things that we have a shared interest in, be it movies, books, TVs, toys, or whatever. Next, we sit down to compare and contrast, dissect and disseminate our choices for you, the listening audience. We'll start off with some honorable mentions, those selections that just didn't make the Fae 5, and then trade off our choices backwards from 5, 4, 3, 2, and 1. We'll be discussing everything from alien invasions to zombie attacks, Rom the Space Knight to musical numbers, Edgar Allan Poe to Stephen King, both literary and adaptations. All that's left for you is to decide who's right, who's wrong, and will we still be friends after all this. I can't wait to get started. So please sit back, strap in, and get ready for this episode of Fave Five from Fans. Hello and welcome. We're so excited about today's episode. So, you know, everybody really feels like they want to be a good guy, want to do the right thing, but we sure do love watching the bad guys. And so today, we're going to talk about Our fave five organized crime films. Now, when you say organized crimes, you get different ideas about what that means, whether it be the mob or the mafia or just gangs, but we're going to cover all of them today. And to do that, I have invited a friend of mine from the local area who is nationwide as it comes to imagination and creativity, and I want to thank you and introduce... Cody Chamberlain. Um, International. Thank you.
1: International, intergalactic, all those things are true. Yes.
0: Yes. Welcome, Cody. Thanks for coming to the... I'm happy to be here. ...plastic microphone studios.
1: This... You have a... a very interesting collection of memorabilia this is pretty incredible well thank
0: you i i appreciate that i'm, I'm working hard on it
1: you should uh slide up a, a piece every now and then show yeah? an image here and there yeah well, throw it up that. on twitter instagram you got a quite a collection
0: maybe uh pop open
1: this bottle of wine <laughs> yeah we were just checking out the scorpion being eaten by a uh, cobra yeah yeah it's, it's good
0: good stuff straight straight from the it's orient terrifying <laughs> It's good stuff well thanks for being here um I can't even begin to give you a proper introduction, so why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, and what makes you the most qualified person to be on this episode of Faith Five?
1: Oh, well, I don't think that I am, but um, I, I guess since no one's better here to do it, it might as well be me, right? That's right. Uh, I, I write, I draw, I do graphic design, and I do various combinations thereof. So uh, I write and draw comic books. Sometimes I only illustrate the comic book. Sometimes I only write. Sometimes I do both. Sometimes I work in film and television conceptual art for film, TV, uh, promotional materials for people like MTV and the Academy Awards on NBC Universal. The Academy Awards. The Academy Awards, ninety first Academy Awards. Yeah, that was pretty awesome. A lot of weird stuff. Yeah, uh, but primarily I spend my days writing and drawing and a little bit of design here and there.
0: Awesome, and I can personally attest to how terribly creative you are, sir. It's true. You can horribly
1: creative, horribly
0: creative. <laughs> um, so, tell us a little bit about why you like the topic of organized slash gang slash mafia slash mob films.
1: I guess it's hard to hard for me to pinpoint it because growing up, so many of my friends were into sort of the traditional '80s pop culture. It was uh, GI Joe and Transformers and He Man and all that type of stuff. And not that I wasn't a fan of that. Um, i wasn't as big of a fan i was actually more into uh kung fu mm-hmm. you know the black belt theater and kung fu theater and the old shaw brothers stuff and i was just that was my thing um and so from there i, I kind of started watching some of the cop shows on tv um you know even way back uh colombo you know being a oh, yeah. being a 10 year old watching colombo and digging it was was kind of my thing Starskin hutch and all the weird shows along the way. Hardcastle and McCormick and pretty much <laughs> any of them. <laughs> Jake and the Fat Man. I was watching all that stuff. Ironside? I, I didn't watch Ironside. That's no. one That's one to catch up on. Kojak, for sure. Oh, yeah,
0: baby. Um, Who loves you?
1: So I think it started from there. I wasn't even aware of The Godfather or Casino or any of the Scorsese, you know, couple of stuff. Um, I really came into that a little bit later, like, you know, late... Uh, late college, really, is where I really started to rent videos really heavily uh, hmm. and kind of got a lot of the oldest stuff in rotation. So uh, I think it was really born, my love of crime film was born from crime television. Awesome.
0: Awesome. So did you watch the other police shows like Emergency and Adam-12, or did you really kind of stick gra- gravitate toward the hardball stuff?
1: Definitely more of the hardballed hmm. stuff. Um, the procedural, not as much, no. Yeah. I mean, a bit here and there, but you know, back then, too, it wasn't... DVR wasn't on demand you would have to kind of be home to catch it
0: one of those three channels yeah, as that's long right. as the rabbit ears were lined up
1: that's right yeah mm-hmm. uh, i mean i got into some i got into the fall guy and things like that as yeah. well so um and that did cross over a little bit you know everyone watched the incredible hulk we got into all that stuff but uh, the crime shows really that's that was my bread and butter cool. growing up and i was i was hooked awesome. i can't really explain why
0: well you know we don't we don't have to that's that's the thing about this show is it's your favorite and that's good enough for me yeah you know? And so when we sat down to decide uh, what show to do, it seemed pretty much straight up this was the first thing that came to the, came to the top. Uh, and I think one of the reasons why I was so ready to jump on it is uh, the love that I have and that I should say the love that you have for the noir genre with your your comic, Sweet.
1: For sure, yeah. Sweet's a sort of a tribute in a way to some of the, uh, the classic tales, even so much as Uh, Right on the first five pages, I show you who the killer is in the style of a Columbo movie, Mm -hmm. Uh, and I kind of work backwards from there. So uh, really, I mean, yeah, Sweets is kind of a a wink and a nod to the crime films I love, also the television series I watched growing up, but also pulling it into a modern day, Mm -hmm. um, throwing it in in Louisiana, of course, kind of one of the things I do a lot of. Um, Yeah, I mean, you know, going way back, um, all those little influences definitely found their way into that comic book. That's awesome.
0: And then that has brought us here today right on so i think uh this was a really tough one for me to be honest with you um i while i do enjoy the the police style films and tv shows i was watching adam 12 and emergency instead of say the colombo shows Mm -hmm. i was watching quincy Sure. You know, uh, so it wasn't until later that I had a, a better appreciation for those shows, and never really um, grew that love of the gangster movies. So this one is probably one of the episodes that I have worked the hardest on. Good, and I have to thank you for that.
1: Put you through the ringer, yeah.
0: Yeah, it it really did kind of pull me out of my um, comfort zone. And watched a lot of movies. As a matter of fact, uh, we got to sit down and watch uh, Godfather 2 in the theaters. I That's got, true, yeah. I got called out by Ben Mankiewicz for not... not
1: <laughs> well-deserved.
0: Well-deserved.
1: <laughs> you know, that that was actually the first time I had seen Godfather 2 in theaters. Oh, really? I had seen Part 1 in theater th- at least three times, maybe four, but oh. at least three. Um, but Godfather Part 2 doesn't show in theaters very often. That was a nice little treat. Yeah, it
0: was. And it was right before the Rona. Even so, there was That's only true, the yeah. three of us, me, you, and, and Matt Hernandez. Yep. You know, and that was a great time. And I have to uh, tell you... Mankiewicz was not there. I looked no. for him. He wasn't there. <laughs> but he still managed to burn me. <laughs> but I really enjoyed it, and I thought it was uh, it was a it was a perfect way for me to delve into this. So, I do have to thank you, because I, I, there I were some know. movies on here that uh, I really enjoyed. And so, so, I wouldn't have probably watched them. Perfect, yeah. That's good. So, um... If you're ready, I think we're ready. We can start down this list. Um, first, I offered you to have a couple of honorable mentions. Do uh, yeah. you have some?
1: I do. Uh, I do want to quickly mention three films that I'm not going to mention. Okay. Can I mention films I won't mention?
0: Hmm. Well, if you've mentioned that you're going to mention films that you don't mention.
1: I'm not going to mention them. I just want to mention that I won't mention them, if that's okay.
0: Okay. So just don't mention that you're not going to mention I them won't. and we'll be all right.
1: Um, I will not mention The Godfather Part 1 or Part <gasps> 2. What? Are good Goodfellas? No. And uh. The reason the reason is because if you look at any list top ten organized crime gangster films, any 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 list you look at, those are the top three. Yeah. They might switch order. Godfather Two might be on top, etc. Um, because they're so heavily covered, right? And they get so much love, rightfully so. They're the they're the holy trinity of organized crime films. See them, they're amazing. Okay. However, I won't mention them today. All right. Because um, they get all the love. So I thought maybe this was an opportunity to share uh the b-side something maybe a little bit less seen i mean cool. obviously it's hard it's hard really to you, you, to pare it down the five but i did um, t- tie in one hand behind your some back. of these sneak under the radar a mm-hmm. little bit some are a little more you know prominent in the media people are aware of them they love them um but either way i chose not to mention those three okay because they are always at the top of the list and if you haven't seen them please see them
0: so that is the trinity that shall not be mentioned
1: they i will not mention those today at all okay. any all three of those Uh, But I do have two honorable mentions. Well,
0: throw them on me. I I can't wait to hear them.
1: Honorable mention number one doesn't quite qualify because it's a television series and not a feature film. And that is the Get Shorty series on Epix, which is not at all tied to the film adaptation of the uh, Elmore Leonard novel. Get out of here. It's a a reboot. They sort of took the world of Get Shorty and created new characters Sort of like what happened with Fargo. At okay. FX. Very okay. similar. Yeah, I love that show. It's, it's set in the world of Get Shorty, but it is really a new story. Um, someone talked me into watching it. I was skeptical. I love the book. I didn't like the movie. I didn't want to see any more adaptations of it. Mm-hmm. I was kind of angry about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I finally got around to seeing it, I loved season one so much, I immediately went back and watched episode one and, and worked my way through it again. Three seasons out right now. Absolutely incredible. But... Doesn't count. It's a TV series.
0: Well, you got Tina hooked on it because she's been good. enjoying it.
1: It's absolutely perfect. Yeah, highly recommend it. Yeah,
0: and and uh, Chris yeah,
1: Ray Romano, uh, great cast. Amazing every actors. every secondary character in there, every background character is really well rendered. Mm-hmm. Uh, the writing, Davy Holmes is the lead writer, showrunner. I guess he's technically the creator of the television series. Absolutely brilliant. Wow.
0: Awesome. Okay. Okay. Well, that's that's a good one. Uh, so, what's your other honorable mention?
1: My second honorable mention is Zootopia. What? <laughs> yes, absolutely. Man, Zootopia is an absolutely brilliant crime film, believe it or not. It's, it's written for kids. It's obviously animated. With the bunny. With the bunny, yes. A police
2: officer! <laughs> bunny cop!
1: Okay. Absolutely brilliant. If you haven't seen Zootopia, uh, please get around to it immediately. And also, if you are a, a crime fan, a crime film fan in particular... Lots of winks and nods to Godfather and Goodfellas, really? and there's a lot of little stuff in there for loyal crime fans. Now it's I've wonderful. seen this
0: movie, and <laughs> never would have thought to put it on this that with the bunny, right? Absolutely, yeah. Meter maid, right? <laughs> that is awesome. But yeah, I guess you're kind of right because there's there's the whole boss crime,
1: the crime boss. Yeah, it, she's it's one little bunny cop up against mm-hmm. organized crime family with
0: yeah. the not so squeaky clean friend that's right he's trying to be a good guy yeah
1: great man, twist that's and, and turns great, yeah, great twist and turns uh but i mean structurally as well mm-hmm. uh it's almost flawless it's a, yeah. just a beautifully structured film from from start to finish uh you know great characters all around the writing is just incredibly well done the dialogue is great yeah um i mean it's, it's an a plus that's
0: awesome that's a, that's an amazing po- man. Whew, I'm nervous now because yeah, you've got me. You're coming out strong. We're not messing
1: around around. We no, yet? we're going to no. go hard today.
0: Well, I don't have an honorable mention nearly as cool as that, but it's what I'm sure you've probably heard of. It's a 1990 movie called Miller's Crossing from the Cohen brothers. Uh, and this was, from what I understand, Barry Sonnenfeld's last gig at, as a cinematographer. He then went on to start doing his own movies. Sure.
1: Men in Black, and he did a lot of great work. Mm -hmm. I
0: really enjoyed this movie. It's set in 1929. Um, It's got John Turturro, and my favorite actor in the whole film had to be uh, Albert Finney as the irish mob boss leo o'bannon
1: he's wonderful yeah he was, and for the record uh this is my number five by the way so get you're cutting you cutting me right at the knee man right. well you know yeah. hey that's how it's
0: going to but, be hey, we're going that's to
1: talk how, about it we need to talk about it
0: yeah well i'm just going to say if you're going to bring an I mean, a number five to my honorable mention fight mm-hmm. it's on yeah <laughs> well um let me just tell you a couple of things that i loved and then uh, i'd love to hear what you have to think about it um of course the the writers uh and directors uh, Joel and Ethan, supposedly they suffered from writer's block while making this film. And they ended up taking a three week break. And during that break, they wrote Barton Fink and then they turned around and went back and finished this movie. And that's why, um, Tom Regan's residence is called the Barton arms.
1: Interesting. I did not know that. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. I thought that was pretty cool.
0: And I loved the little cameos that were in it. Um, not just the the ones that actually had roles like Steve Buscemi, um, who speaks faster than anybody else. It's incredible, He's yeah. He's incredible. incredible. But um, not only is Francis McDormand in it as the mayor's secretary, mm-hmm. I caught Ramy in it uh, in the scene outside of the Sons of Aaron Club. Is that right? Yeah, he pulls out like two handguns and it's like shooting it. And I'm like, where where'd Sam Raimi come from? Okay. He's in it. and then I mean,
1: I've seen his films, but I'm not entirely sure I'd recognize him in film.
0: Yeah? You know, he's yeah. not
1: a face I see often enough.
0: Well, here's one you probably didn't recognize. Did you know Albert Finney was in this movie? Uh, I do, yeah. But did you know he also cameoed in this movie as well? As a different character? As a woman. I did not know that. <laughs> in the scene where Tom uh, enters the ladies' room and he has kind of a, a back and forth with Verna. <laughs> Albert Finney can be seen in drag as a rather large matronly woman.
1: <laughs> That's fantastic. I'm going to have to go back and watch this now. And yeah. There. Yeah. he uh, doesn't quite make
0: it to the status of hot, but <laughs> <laughs> so tell me what was it that got this movie to your number five? Uh,
1: I'm a sucker for really just surprising things in film. Um, I, I go to movies because I want to be entertained. I'm, I'm not a critic. Uh, I don't ever claim to be a critic. I'm certainly not a historian of film. Uh, I'm not even really a film student. I love great writing, but I'm not really a student of film. I, I want to be entertained. Yeah. And Miller's Crossing is incredibly entertaining. The the characters are great. All the all the stuff we love about Coen Brothers movies, the surprises and the the oh no, you know, like those kind of those really tense moments they build, they're all in here. Yeah. Um you know, are, are we doing spoilers? We're doing spoilers. Yes, right? this is a spoiler-rich right, full-blown show. spoilers. The John tutorial begging scene, absolutely incredible. Um, oh, which one, though? Uh, well, the forest one mm-hmm. hits um, the one in the street. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's just it's brilliant. Um, and believe it or not, this is the only movie on my list that I didn't go back and rewatch for this podcast. Really, I just I didn't get around to it. It was the one on the list. Um, the Danny Boy scene. Uh, oh, the, the, the longest Tommy gun, Tommy gun scene in the history so of incredible. cinema. But the, we really we, we we build up we build up to that moment so well in the mm-hmm. film, and when it mm-hmm. finally happens, it's just a, it's it's art
0: it really is incredible yeah yeah so i have to tell you i'd never seen this movie before and i was having lunch with a friend of mine um uh holly shout out to holly we're gonna be doing a a stephen king here one day okay and she told me this is a movie i had to watch and lo and behold not only did i enjoy it it made the list so holly you were right
1: (laughs) well have you noticed how much green is in this film Lots of green. I know. I did not. An incredibly heavy emphasis on green everywhere. Um, okay. If you watch Home Alone, same yeah. thing with the red and green everywhere true, for the true. Christmas theme, uh, because I guess it's a neo-Irish noir. Mm-hmm. Uh, they lean heavy into the green. The hats are just beautiful. The hats were beautiful um, in this movie. It's a it's a, it's, a, it's such a beautifully photographed movie as well. Um, it had to make the list. Uh, I originally had it on at number four. Oh. Um, I started juggling around a little bit. I think we had decided at some point maybe we'd do a heist podcast at some point. Yes, so I, I think so. I pulled out a heist and, and things shuffled around a little bit. Uh-huh. Uh, but believe it or not, it actually moved down my list that's since my original draft.
0: See, that's the thing I love about doing this show is you come in thinking, oh, well, I know what's going to be one, two, and three. Yeah. And by the time it's all done, you're just not really even yeah. sure. Yeah, And I love the um, the Totoro begging when he... He begs the first time and then you know, you go through the movie and then at the end of the movie, again, spoilers, when he starts begging, he it's I don't know if it's word for word, but it's almost exactly the same one. Yeah. And he ends up getting a bullet in the head anyway.
1: It's just uh, he's he's incredible in everything. But yeah. um this movie I think is really the first time I noticed him. Yeah. Um, you know, really locked on locked on to him as an actor and uh incredible performance.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and it's been a fan favorite, and uh, critics have loved it. But, man, the uh, the box office didn't love it very much. No, no not much. Yeah, <laughs> I think it cost like 10 or $12 million to make, and it, it didn't even yeah. bring in half of that.
1: Well, I'm glad they got another shot and kept making oh, movies. Oh, yeah. Could you
0: imagine now we wouldn't have had yeah. O Brother or Art Thou How or Fargo or any yeah, of that good stuff? Big Lebowski, stuff. Any, mm-hmm. any of them, yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: We, that would have been terrible for yes. us. Yes, indeed, indeed. So
0: I have one other honorable mention. Uh, and so I... I had to giggle when you brought up Zootopia because I would never would have thought to bring that movie in. But yet my number one honorable mention is who framed Roger rabbit from
1: 1988. You know, I haven't seen this movie since the nineties. Really? Yeah. I need to go back and revisit this one, but I have very fond memories of it.
2: It's the winner of three Academy Awards, like you've never seen it before. Who framed Roger Rabbit? 25th Anniversary Edition. I'm a toon. Toons make people laugh. <laughs> For the first time on eye-popping Blu-ray, it's the edge-of-your-seat thriller that hits like a ton of bricks. We toons may act idiotic, but we're not stupid. It's groundbreaking. The whole thing stinks like yesterday's diapers. A technically amazing feat. Allow me, Mademoiselle. It does. Rabbit sees stars. Not. Bird stars. Can we lose the playback, please? Tunes. I'm not bad. I'm just drawn that way.
0: It's a it's a great movie. I I read. Uh, does it, it holds up? Oh, it does. Oh, it? Okay. Oh, it does. And I think one of the reasons it holds up is because of the setting that it's in. Um, and of course, Zemeckis was so far ahead of his time when he did this film. For sure. Yeah. You know, there's very few times that I could during this rewatch. Because I was actually looking for it, you know. There are very few times that the character's eyes and the cartoon character's eyes didn't meet up, hmm. you know. And I noticed some things in the film like this. At one point where there's a pelican riding a, a bicycle and he's kind of can't quite ride it and he falls over. You know, and you think, oh, that's just a clever little, you know. <laughs> I read that the whole reason that was in there is because they needed to have that pelican, but they could not get the bicycle writing itself to go well so finally after the third fourth twelfth take they just said oh you know screw it (laughs) let's just draw him with him falling over and i thought
1: man that was that was really really cool it's good problem solving Mm -hmm,
0: exactly um it is the first time and the only time as of right now that um Cartoon characters from both Walt Disney and Warner Brothers have been in the same picture. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. So that's uh, twenty-two, going on twenty-two years since then. And they still haven't done it. Um, great characters, great cast. You've got Bob Hoskins, uh, Christopher Lloyd. Uh, you've got so many good voices. Mm-hmm. Um, one of my personal favorites in this movie has always got to be um, Joanna Cassidy as yeah. Dolores. Right. You know, I I loved her. I loved her and. <clears throat> Um, uh, Blade Runner and and so many other mm-hmm. films, but boy, I thought she was just perfect in this one. And I love the fact that while Amy Irving does get on-screen credit for being the singing voice of Jessica Rabbit, you don't get any for uh, Kathleen. It's like Miss Turner, you put in all this work, and yeah. she doesn't even get her name up on the screen. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. She doesn't get credit in the film. No, no. Okay. So I uh, I thought that was really interesting. There are a lot of little things in here. Um, one of the reasons that that I included it had to be for Jessica Rabbit. Sure, yeah. Uh, not just because she's drawn that way, but because her, she's basically made up of four different femme fatales. And they combine them all together to make this one character. And every one of them just fits together and just makes you think of a, of a, a hardball dame, you know. Yeah. But uh, anyway, absolutely I'm gonna, loved I'm gonna, it. I'm going to write this
1: down and go back and revisit that one. Yeah. Has
0: Lucas ever seen it? Oh, uh, he has not, oh, okay, yeah it um it's consistently voted as like one of the top one hundred movies of all time. yeah, you know, and of course, uh I'm not bad, I'm just drawn that way, um you know, it's always gets used over and over and over again, but um, that's a good
1: pick, yeah. I like you threw that one in there, yeah, well, thank you, and I, I like yeah. your utopia, you know, represent. Yeah, I mean, I guess neither one of us really had the courage to put it on the list. So, that's <laughs> deep character flaws there.
0: Yeah, well, you know, you go you go with what you got. <laughs> so, um, I think that's all of our honorable mentions. Yeah. If you're ready, we can go straight to your number 5. Yeah, we already covered it. Miller's uh, Crossing. That's right. God. Let's jump right. Let's jump right back to you. You see what happens when you get old like this? Man. Well, my number 5 is a movie that I'm sure everyone's heard of. It's a little ditty called Pulp Fiction Mm. from 1994.
1: Yeah. The film that over 65 critics chose as Best Film of the Year has been nominated for seven Academy Awards. Is that a fact? Including Best Actor, John Travolta, Best Supporting Actress, Uma Thurman, Best Supporting Actor, Samuel L. Jackson, Best Director, Quentin Tarantino, Best Original Screenplay, And best picture of the year. That's a bold statement. The motion
2: picture event of the year. *Pulp Fiction*, rated R.
0: Uh, I love this movie. Uh, It's it's so disjointed, but yet it it flows together seamlessly. Mm -hmm. It's got you know the Marcellus, the mob boss. It's got the two hard killers. It's got a cleaner. It's got everything a mob classic cast. crime
1: noir boxer. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yep.
0: It's great. It's a great film. Uh, and there's so many things that you can say about it. And there's so many things that have been unsaid that you find out later through, I don't know, interviews or whatever. For example, um, they say that Butch is actually the one <laughs> who was responsible for King Vincent's car.
1: Sure. Yeah. You know, yep.
0: and uh, I-, I read an interesting story that said that the, um, the Chevy Malibu that Vince Vega drove actually belonged to tarantino yeah and was stolen during the production of the movie
1: oh was it, stole? it was stolen? it was stolen okay
0: and it was in 2013 <clears throat> that a cop saw two off uh two kids stripping an older car and he arrested them and then when looking it up even though the vin number had been altered that was the car <laughs> i did not know that yeah and so they were able to give it back to him and the guy who had who had it was stolen from didn't even know it was stolen is that right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So
1: anyway, yeah, cool that stuff. that movie's jam packed with trivia. Yes. Um you know, and the, the F bomb. And the J- F bomb, J- a lot of F bombs, yeah. Two um two hundred and sixty five F bombs. That that's what I was gonna ballpark, yeah. Um no, it's it's absolutely wonderful. It's incredible characters throughout again. Um and my, my litmus test for great movies is is it highly entertaining? It certainly is. And very rewatchable.
0: Very rewatchable. It is a kind
1: of movie you can revisit hundreds of times and find something new or still be surprised by it. And you can
0: walk into that movie at just about any point and just sit through the rest of it, you know?
1: You can, absolutely. You know, the great thing about it, um, when you watch the movie and it is out of sequence, you know, the scenes take place out of sequence, it is a movie that really rewards you upon future watching. So there's some movies that are just fun to watch over and over. Uh, This one, you actually get a lot out of it when you come back to it and revisit it. Even multiple times, you pick up on little things. You pick up on, you know, the the way the diner scene and the dialogue changes a little bit Mm -hmm. the first time versus the second time. You realize how many times Vincent Vega goes to the bathroom. You know, there's all these fun (laughs) little moments where you. You know, new discoveries along the way.
0: He's one of my favorite characters from that entire movie. He's great. He's great in this, yeah. He's so good. I love the fact, and I didn't find this out until I was doing this research, that the dance that that Vince and Mia, uh, John Travolta and Uma Mm -hmm. Thurman, uh, is basically shot by shot, movement by movement from Fellini's Eight and a Half. From 1963, which I I, I never knew that. I mean, I haven't seen it. I
1: haven't seen the movie. Oh, really? Yeah.
0: Yeah. I'd seen this like a comparative to it, Mm -hmm. but never like side by side. I just thought, you know, it was an homage. No, they say that it's movement by movement, which is crazy. And again, another incredible movie line. You know what they call a quarter pounder with cheese in Paris?
1: Royale with cheese. There you go. (laughs) Yeah, it's so great. You know, the Eric Stoltz character with the syringe. Oh, my God. uh, you know, the Phil Lamar character, Marvin, mm-hmm. in the car. It's just mm-hmm. so many great little what? moments. Yeah.
0: Say what one more time. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it just shoots him in the face in the car. It's just, just wonderful. Oh, yeah. oh.
0: And, you know, it's it's amazing that how much we love that film. And then years later, you've got Samuel L. Jackson playing uh, Nick Fury in all of the Marvel movies. And when he dies mm-hmm. in the movie and you go and see Nick Fury's Tombstone, he's got a call out back to... Who walks the righteous path? Oh,
1: I never noticed that. Yes, Is that right? Yes. So, okay. and I
0: think it's um, Civil War um, when you go up to it. It reads the path of the righteous man, Ezekiel twenty-five seventeen okay. on Nick Fury's fantastic. Stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I thought,
1: man, that so, was just great. I guess they're in the same universe now. I guess they are. Yeah. You know.
0: Oh, now, but I wonder if anybody's ever seen Nick Fury's uh, wallet, though.
1: Well, I mean the the. Eye patch is an incredible disguise. Yes, you know it could be. <laughs> You'd never pick Jules out of a lineup. Never pick with him, with out, especially with
0: no hair. <laughs> well, all right. Well, um now I think I'd mm-hmm. pounce it back over to you for your number four.
1: Okay, my number four. We're going to stay in the Tarantino world. I'm going to jump to Jackie Brown. Oh, that's <laughs> such
0: a good movie.
1: Absolutely incredible. Uh, much different than Pulp Fiction. Very different tone. Very different pacing. Uh, based on obviously Rum Punch," another Elmore Leonard book, mm-hmm. which I brought mm-hmm. up earlier. I'm a big Elmore Leonard fan. Um, you know, and as a tangent, Get Shardy also based on an Elmore Leonard book uh, at, at, at epics We have mentioned that one. Um, so anyway, it's great raw material. He obviously took the Elmore Leonard concept, set it in the world of black exploitation. Right. Um, brought in Pam Greer. Uh, Robert Forrest is just incredible. Oh, Robert Forster, um, Cherry Max, Samuel Cherry. Jackson is oh, back God. again. Um, he, mm-hmm. You know, he plays. He's he's got a great role. Uh, Ardell Roby, right? Yeah, Mm -hmm. just wonderful all around. Great cast, um, tons of surprises, raw entertainment value, out the wazoo.
0: Literally hanging on the edge of your seat.
1: Incredible soundtrack. I mean, you put the meters in the opening credit of any movie. I'm in. You know.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I actually Tina and I rented this uh, and watched it on Amazon, I believe. Okay. Uh, And it was it was on the short list, but I really felt like I needed to get it down to one Tarantino. Yeah. And uh, it was third behind another of his films that I won't mention in case it shows up. Okay. But that's uh, a great movie. It is a great movie, great pick. Both Pam Greer and Robert Forster turned in incredible performances.
1: Robert De Niro as Lewis, wonderful character oh, I for him. <laughs> right. Such an unusual character for him to play. Sort of the uh, the stoned out over the hill kind of. Maybe he was something at one point in life. Mm-hmm. Kind of mm-hmm. a nice wink and a nod back to his gangster days with Scorsese. Right, uh, right. It's really wonderful, you know. And Bridget Fonda. Whew. Yeah, she's great. Mm. Um, you just love to hate her, right? Yeah. <laughs> you want to just shoot her in a parking lot somewhere.
0: Yeah, just leave her, you know? Yeah. <laughs> no, that is a great one. Ah. Well, um, I have a number four. But I don't know what the rules are, if I can talk about it, because... I don't know that it's supposed to be named or not. Oh. So let's just call it, hey, look over there, Cody. Goodfellas. Um, a movie,
1: <laughs> and we'll just figure out what it is. Um. <laughs> I had a feeling Goodfellas would come up. Never ran on your friends, and always keep your mouth shut.
2: As far back as I can remember, I always wanted to be a gangster. Hey, Mom, what do you think? You look like a gangster. I know By the time I grew up, there was 30 billion a year in cargo moving through Idyllwild Airport. And believe me, we tried to steal every bit of it. What do you do? I'm in construction. Ooh, he's not Jewish. Mazel, tov. Mazel tov. For most of the guys, killings got to be accepted. Hey, Henry, here's an arm. Very funny, guys. Uh, here's a leg. There's a wing. <laughs> what do you like, the leg and the wing? It's you. I, I
0: love Goodfellas, and Samuel L. Jackson is in Goodfellas. I know, yeah. I know, he plays the uh, the the blues player. That's right, right? yeah. Uh, which I was shocked and amazed because I've seen this movie before, mm-hmm. but I gave it a whole new rewatch. Uh, I gave all of these films a, a rewatch, and I was I was like, "That's Sam Jackson." Yeah, I mean, it's such a small part though, but I loved. You've got the trunk shot in this movie, which gets you know, shown everywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, you know, Ray Liotta and De Niro and Pesci and Sorvino and uh, Lorena Brock. How,
1: how great is Joe Pesci's Tommy? In this oh song? my it's God. Incredible.
0: So yeah. good. That, and you've seen it dozens and dozens and dozens of times, but that scene where, how am I funny?
1: Yeah. Right. You, know? yeah.
0: It, you can, from what I understood, they didn't tell the rest of the cast that was in there, what that dialogue was going to be. And that's why their their reactions were so, I mean, they were on the edge of their seats trying to figure out what was going yeah. on. Um,
1: I, I've heard Scorsese talk about that scene, and it was an improv by Joe Pesci in rehearsal. Mm-hmm. And so they, he kind of went off, did it improv, and then uh, they went back and worked it into the script. Oh, okay. Now, whether or not the other actors knew it was in the script, or he would say those particular lines, I don't know, but uh, you know, to think that, one of the greatest scenes in one of the greatest movies occurred from an improv from an actor that's not known for improv. Right, it's really a magical. Exactly, it's really a magical movie moment.
0: You know, and he, and again, you know, a lot more about these movies than I do, but he's been in an amazing number of these films.
1: Oh, absolutely. You know, yeah.
0: The Irishman just came out, and you yeah. know, I hear he turns in an incredible performance for the, for that. Raging um, Bold. Yeah, he's,
1: yeah, over and over. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, he's a great one.
0: And there's there's a lot of cool things about this. Again a very liberal use of the F bomb Mm -hmm. actually breaking the former record. It's used 321 times.
1: Oh, good. Yeah.
0: Which makes it an average of an F bomb every 2.04 minutes. (laughs) Joe Pesci having almost half of that number. (laughs) It said the script had, um, the, the original script had it in there 70 times, but with the way that they just were flowing and going, it was just, you know, yeah. Um, at the time of the release, it was the most profanity-laden movie of any. Now, <laughs> it's, it's number three. I mean, number 15.
1: Yeah, it's not up there. You know,
0: right. Not up there at all. Wolf of Wall Street is like number three, which is also nice. <laughs> uh, you know, I
1: always, wondered, I always wondered how, um, how influential uh, the Tommy character was on the creation of Wolverine.
2: The best there is of what I do. What I do best isn't very nice
1: sort of the runty little guy oh, with all yeah. the attitude and the bravado and just you know he, but he also delivers that's true um, and, you know I don't know about the, how the timelines cross over I know Wolverine probably goes back a little bit before but through time the evolution of that character um, you know, there's a lot of similarities between those two yeah yeah
0: and I heard of course you know so much of this lies on uh, Martin Scorsese's shoulders for, for bringing in the performance and I heard he was so detail-oriented that he would even tie Ray Liotta's tie the way he wanted it to make sure it was perfect. Yeah, wonderful. I mean, that's I believe it. That's something else. So, and so it's based on a on a book um called Wise Guy mm-hmm. uh Nicholas uh, Pileggi? Polici.
1: That sounds right, yeah. Yeah,
0: yeah. And I um, never
1: read it, but I've heard it mentioned often. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: And talk about uh it, it cost 25 million dollars uh and brought in almost 50. So, for a movie that there was about a bunch of bad guys, it sure did yeah. pretty good, you know. So, great movie. That's a great pick. Thank you. I tried. So, that brings us to your number three.
1: My number three is Payback. Oh, good Mel Gibson, uh, yes. Brian Hegelin, uh wrote and directed that one. And at some point, the reins did pass over. Uh, he, he refused to do some reshoots on it, so he was replaced at some point in it. Um, Mel Gibson did later release or allow him to release the director's cut which ends up kind of being a totally different movie. Really? So we actually have two paybacks. We have um, the original theatrical release, and we have Payback Straight Up, which is the, the Brian Hegelin uh, cut of that film. I don't know which one I've seen. They're, they're both fantastic. Really?
2: I have Mr. Carter on the line. Turn through. I have a problem. There's a man in my office with a gun who says that he's going to kill me if we don't pay him back hundred and thirty thousand dollars that one of our lieutenants 70, stole 000. from him. Seven. It's seventy. Look. How much is this guy Carter worth to you? What do you mean? My money. Yes or no? No. Not many men know what their life's worth. I do. Seventy grand. That's what they took from me. Ah! Mel Gibson. What do you mean? It's only seventy. Only seventy thousand? Oh. Hell, my suits are worth more than that. Payback. <laughs> Careful, boy. you might bite your back. Get ready. Got
1: a big payback. I do. I, I I prefer the theatrical cut. Actually, uh-huh. I know my uh, my film student friends would they'd probably <laughs> puke in their mouths a little bit from listening to that, but. I do love the humor. I do love the pacing of it. Um, it's just a really fun movie to watch. Yeah. Whereas the straight up cut is very dark, right? Uh, right. A li- really, a little bit depressing. Uh, I, in, in I love
0: way. Lucy Liu in this movie. She's incredible. I, she's like a I don't know, dominatrix or a she's great. She, yeah, she's but great. man, she's such a badass.
1: Uh, well, if Chris Christopherson is in the version you saw, you saw the theatrical cut.
0: That's what I saw. Okay, the the- so he's not in the. He's
1: not in it. Really, not even in it. Yeah, it's a totally different character. Yeah.
0: Huh. Well, no, that's, that, that goes to answer that question. I, I
1: recommend it. They're both yeah. very good, like I said. Maybe, you know, there's also the uh, the bias of I saw the theatrical cut first. Right. And that's the one I fell in love with. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Maybe if I had seen the other one first, I maybe would would think a different way about it. Yeah. Um, but, man, just the, the story structure is great. Uh, and it is based on The Hunter by Richard Stark, uh, Donald Westlake novel. Okay. Um, and, you know, if you're looking for a great comic... Uh, the Parker series that Darwin Cook does at IDW, Yeah. Absolutely incredible. Wow. Um, and a lot of these story elements are in that. It's about this 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 thief who, um, he's got a partner, and they try and take down this, this money. And uh, the partner kind of turns on him and, and oh, yeah. tries yeah. to kill him. And he has to go and get his money.
0: Wow. Yeah, that's great. So, uh, the, refresh my memory, who was the female lead in this?
1: Uh, Maria Bello.
0: Mar- that's it, Bell That's it. She, is it
1: Maria or Maria? I, Maria.
0: I don't know, but it's. I know exactly who you're talking about now. With the she's she, wonderful. Yeah, she it's really great. is. She's been in a couple of uh, crime movies, uh, police films, and uh, yeah. TV series. And uh, oh yeah, I know just who you're talking about. That's great. Well, that's a good pick. I, I that one even 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 came across my uh, radar this go around.
1: Absolutely wonderful. Uh, Greg Henry uh, plays Val. He's sort of the uh, I guess the the antagonist. Uh huh. He's the the fellow thief. That uh, that Mel has to kind of go after, and yeah. uh, he's he's getting himself back into this organization called the Outfit, yeah. and so uh, Mel just goes and takes down the whole damn thing.
0: Just blows my mind to know that Chris Christopherson's not even in the straight up cut. Not even in it. That is that is amazing. I'm going to go search that movie out and find it. You know? You'll love it. Yeah, that's it. awesome. <laughs> well, um, ah, okay. So my number three is a
1: movie you can't refuse. <laughs> <laughs> another movie that must not be named hey, you're all you can mention i just won't mention them at all in, okay, during this podcast okay. so, yeah. so don't say you're godfather good. no you're
0: good okay because 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 the my number my, my number three is the godfather so don't say godfather mm. in this one don't, no don't, don't say it don't mention it we won't mention it uh have you ever seen this
1: movie before <laughs> i watch this movie once a month thank you very much <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
0: so uh i know i may cause a fight mm-hmm. um but I actually prefer Godfather over Godfather Part Two.
1: No, that's fair, totally fair. Uh, I I consider them to be one long movie in a way.
0: Yeah, that, that makes um, sense.
1: Yeah, I think part Part One and Two really complement each other. They build on story points in various ways. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I know at some point there was that epic television cut where they kind of spliced it all together. Oh, really? I didn't know that. Um, I forget what it's called. I know my my buddy Ron Domains hating me right now because I can't <laughs> remember the name, but. Uh, they did cut them all together and put the sequences in order, and there was some other additional footage they worked into it. Wow, um, is that it's, on DVD? it's interesting? Uh, it ran on television. Oh. Uh, it, I'm assuming it's on DVD somewhere. Uh, they still replay it now and then. You'll see it pop up I'll AMC have to look for that. or someone will run it. HBO ran it uh-huh. not long ago. That would be um,
0: interesting to, to to see it in that order.
1: Yeah, I I prefer the films over it. Yeah. I think the structurally they're better. They make more sense. Mm-hmm. The just the pacing, everything. It doesn't stall the way the television version does. I still love it. If it's on, I'll watch it, but yeah. it does stall out just the way the pacing lines up. Um, yeah, those two movies together, one and two for me, are just a, a continuation. Right.
0: Well, there's just, there's so many people in this movie.
1: Yeah. Everyone, uh,
0: everyone's in this movie. Everybody is in this movie, you know, uh, everybody from Marlon Brando to Abe Vigoda. Yeah. You no, know? it's great. Yeah. Jeez, he was so good in that movie. Um, but yeah, he's got such a, you know, the Corleone family is, is huge. And so you've got, uh, you know, Vito and Mama Corleone and Michael and Sonny and Fredo and Connie. Fredo. You know, Fredo, who you know. But, again, I, I don't know why I like it so much. I don't know if it's because, uh, you know, it was in that time I always felt like the, the World War Two and just post-World War Two eras have been some of my favorite settings for movies Mm -hmm. so maybe that has a little bit of it um but reading about the movie afterwards has just blown my mind
1: the fact that it was ever finished is spectacular yeah Yeah. you know couple had nearly got fired several times mm -hmm. he he couldn't cast anyone he wanted and still found a way to do it just a an incredible example of a one man's will against all odds right yeah exactly you know you say a movie could be made about the movie but in this case it really could yeah
0: yeah um, I love so many little things in it. Uh, I, I heard a story now, and you'll have to forgive me because I, I may push the two movies together, but is, is the first one, the one where Brando has the attack while he's out playing with his Brando's son?
1: only in the first one. Yeah. Okay.
0: Okay, good. So I read a story that said that Marlon Brando's grandmother used to do that thing mm-hmm. with the orange where she put it in her mouth that's and right, scare yeah. him. And that's why he did it in the movie. I, I thought and the boy that
1: was, didn't know. Yeah, yeah. Apparently, the, the boy's reaction was real. Yeah, was just great.
0: laughing and playing. And oranges are a very important part of. Yeah, of it's great his, theme. Yeah, it's great running
1: were, theme throughout.
0: And I, I did, I did catch that while watching it. Um, th- how many different times I saw oranges, whether yeah. they're in the bowl or they're what?
1: And I was like, man, why? Well, you'll, you'll hear people say that every time you see an orange, something bad happens. Yes, it's not necessarily the case. It's not. There, there are bad things that happen without an orange, and there are oranges <laughs> where bad things do happen at some point. Um, I don't necessarily think it was placed as a conscious thing. I mm-hmm. think that it just it fell that wager in the making of the movie. It looked great on camera. Yes. Couple have put it in a few more times, uh-huh. um, but it's certainly not a. Um, it, it doesn't predict every instance of bad for sure.
0: Yeah, and that would actually be kind of would be a great idea if it did, because mm-hmm. then you'd know something. It'd be was a little coming. obvious, yeah. But uh, I wonder if that had to do with <clears throat> with the fact. Uh, because it was just right after the war, and now things were starting to come back and being you know more available to people and um anyway, I just I think it's it's just such a great film, and you want to talk about making some money, yeah, I think he brought this movie in for just about seven million dollars, and at last count it made two hundred and eighty seven million at the box office, yeah,
1: it's still going you know. DVD sales, Blu-ray sales, digital, mm-hmm. digital. Yeah, the, the downloads couple of restoration now. from a few years ago, I'm sure cleaned up. Yeah, I bought it again. Yeah, it's it's a it's a film I've purchased multiple times. Mm-hmm. Uh, VHS twice because my my set got damaged. Oh yeah. Um. Then DVD bought it on DVD, bought it on Blu-ray. Uh. The couple of the restoration came out recently. I bought it again. <laughs> so I've doubled you know I've doubled down uh, multiple times on this film, and I mean, it's one of the few films out there where. Almost any frame of the movie is a beautiful photograph. Oh, yeah. you know yeah. It's so well lit. It's just beautiful. It's very dark, which I like. Mm-hmm. A lot of people complain about how dark the movie is, but I, I really love it. it. It really adds a lot to the mood. I never um, felt
0: it was really dark as far yeah. as lighting went.
1: It's a very dark film when you watch it. Um, yeah. Nice big screen, turn off all the lights, yeah. it, but it works so well for me. Yeah. I mean, really, the, the performances, some of the greatest performances of all time captured in this movie.
0: Mm-hmm. I, I have to agree with you.
1: And there's a little thing that The Godfather does. Uh, I read the book so long ago, I don't remember if the moment is in the book or written specifically for the film. But uh, there's a moment where McCleskey punches Michael.
0: Okay. and That's you know, the cop, right? That's the cop, uh-huh. the corrupt
1: cop. And you think about all the superhero movies that are really, they're a lot of fun. But a punch means nothing in any of those movies. Yes. Uh, they come and go. There's a million of them thrown. Everyone recovers immediately after. Uh, in, in that movie... When that punch is thrown, it changes everything about every character. It really, it sends ripples throughout the entire universe. Um, Michael goes to work for his dad and all these incredible things kind of begin to happen. Um, he was obviously, he was leaning that way originally, which is why he went to do the meeting with the cop. Right. Uh, but you really watch that punch and how much it changes Michael. And because Michael's changed, everyone else changes around him. Yeah. And it really becomes an incredible moment where just this one little punch, you know, right. changes everything.
0: And Michael gives it back to him. In spades, he gets, yeah, he gets it.
1: Yeah, he gets it. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. I was amazed at that scene too. It's one of them. I guess it had been. I'm sure I had seen the movie again before this rewatch, but it felt like so much of it was like, well, okay, well, what's happening next? You yeah. know, uh, oh, oh man. And I love the the sleeping with the fishes scene. Yeah, the you know? Sicilian
1: message. Yes, that's yeah. such a great movie. <laughs>
0: Wow. Okay. I'm glad we didn't talk about that.
1: And, and, but again, very rewatchable. That's very always my re-watchable. litmus test for whether or not a film's great. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: So, if um, we're finished talking about that movie, that we're not going to talk about, yeah, let's see what your number two is.
1: Now uh, we're just going to skip it. It was Pulp Fiction.
0: Oh, we talked about it. Really? Yeah. Well, you don't. You don't have some nuggets there. Mm.
1: I do. Uh, you know, Pulp Fiction. We'll come back to it just a little bit here, but. Um, you know, as far as organized crime goes, a lot of people don't consider it in their list of organized crime films, and it really is.
0: That's a crime.
1: Start to finish. It is. Absolutely is. Um, I mean, Marcellus, Marcellus Wallace, uh, the two hitmen, it absolutely is an organized crime film. Um, the dirty payoff with Butch and the boxing ring, you know, all of it. Um, the it, cleaner. The cleaner. It's, it's wonderful winks and nods and throwbacks to all the great crime noir that came before. A lot of new stuff in there obviously Tarantino loves pulling and referencing other films right um, it's just so it's incredibly deep yeah. um, you know it's maybe an overused metaphor but really it is like kind of like an onion you just keep peeling back layers The Godfather and Godfather part two are the same way yeah the more you watch it the more little nuggets you sort of pull out um, you get deeper into it it's miraculous. It it really is a, it's a film I never grow tired of watching and that, you know, that doesn't happen often.
0: So let me ask you a question. Do you think Quentin Tarantino gets his due deserves as a writer? Now everybody loves how much he is as a director, but as a writer, do you think that he gets enough props?
1: I I mean, he's won Academy Awards for original screenplay. I think, Mm -hmm. I think Pulp Fiction won for original screenplay. Um, From the writer world he does, but the average Joe on the street that watches movies, most of them don't even know who wrote their favorite movie. So no, probably not.
0: True. Well, you know, the re one of the reasons I say that is because again, I, even though I know this movie inside and out, I, mm-hmm. when I rewatched it, uh, it, it, I absolutely love the fact that Uma Thurman talks about the five vipers. Yeah. That's the, right. The five, you know, and that it's Fox a whole Force no- five. yeah. Fox Force five. It's a whole nother two movies years down yeah, the road that's right you know and I mean, I mean god how do you how do you plant that seed yeah you know and then it grow into a a, a two movie amazing I, I don't even know how to say. it, it just yeah it it, it it kills me because everybody talks about how well he directs but you really don't hear and maybe it's
1: because of so much of the stuff he, he writes he directs as well um but Jesus. Well, one of the things Stephen King does, he he sort of builds most things in one universe. Mm-hmm. I've heard Tarantino talk about he's got two. Oh, really? He's got the he's got the universe the people live in and then the universe of the movies they watch. Um, which uh, makes a lot of sense when you think of it in that context. But okay. if you think back to Mr. White and Reservoir Dogs and you think back to Vincent Vega and Pulp Fiction, those guys are brothers. Yes. Um And there's a lot of little things like that where you watch these movies quite a bit, you kind of pick up on them. Yeah. Uh, and they're pretty miraculous. you know when you when you thread it all together and you realize, oh, wait, yeah, these people are related and this you know this guy certainly hung around with this guy, and those pieces really start to lock into place. Yeah. The same vehicles appear sometimes uh-huh. in the movies, uh-huh. and uh, it's great. But also you talk about Tarantino as a writer. Uh, true true romance is a masterpiece. yes, uh, great, great film by Tony Scott, who has obviously Tony Scott's fingerprints all over it. But that is undeniably a Quentin Tarantino script. Yeah. Um, you hear it in every story beat. You see it in every way the characters turn. Um, and the fact that a completely different director can take a script from this guy and end up with a film that's strikingly similar to a Tarantino film, I think kind of shows the power of the written page.
0: Yes. Yeah. Oh, man. I, I, you know, one of the favorite things that Tarantino has ever done is, for, for me, when he, when he punched up uh, Crimson Tide.
1: Yes, right. You know, yeah. and
0: again, you can you can feel his presence. It's in there, yeah. It's in all the over. script, you know. Uh, such such a good writer. So, oh yeah, you're right. Well, okay. So I guess it's back to me again. Yeah. What's your number two? My number two was barely on my list when really? I started this one, and after buying a copy of it and sitting down and watching it. Uh, It jumped all the way to my number two. Okay. And I'm talking about 1987's The Untouchables.
1: I like The Untouchables
0: a lot. I was blown away at how much I liked this movie and how much I remembered of it. Uh, Jesus. I mean, first of all, it's directed by Brian De Palma, which I love some of his movies. And knowing (laughs) that it's based uh, somewhat loosely on a book that was written by Elliott Ness and Oscar uh, Fraley... Um, but basically, I mean, it's like almost like an autobiography of sure, it. Sure, yeah. Um And it was just such an incredible movie about Elliot Ness as he um, forms the untouchable team to go after Al Capone and bring him to justice during Prohibition. Yeah. Now, first of all, before I get angry emails from any of my four listeners... I know that this is not how it actually happened. No, it never Uh, is. Never is. I I know the the scene at the end of the movie where uh, Ness comes up to Capone and and gives him that famous line. I know that you never even met in court. But it's a damn fine movie. Yeah, right. You know? And it's got so many great actors. Kevin Cosner, uh, Sean Connery, that guy, Robert... De, Never heard or, of him. Yeah, some guys. Yeah. Yeah, you know. Robert
1: De Niro, Nobody. Yeah,
0: Nobody. No. Billy Drago as Frank Nitty, one of my favorites in this movie. Oh, yeah, right. Yeah. You know? Oh, man. You know, it's
1: been a long time since I've seen this one, but I love it. I, yeah. You know? It, it didn't even occur to me to put it on the list, but it's, it's a powerful film.
0: It is. Well, and you know, there's so many of them out there. Like I said, that I never even thought about this.
1: One, yeah, you know, that's a good pick.
0: Yeah, well, thank you. I, I I love the fact too of how much detail that the actors and and you know the the cast and the crew put to it. I read that uh, De Niro actually tracked down Al Capone's original tailor, and he's the one who made his suits. Is that right? Some of them identical. To Capone's. I wonder how many
1: how many of the real locations were used. At, see, I, I never dug into any of the history of uh, some of these films and seeing who was shot where and and what was the uh, physical locations. I know they did it later on, um, the Highwaymen. Oh, Uh, yeah, they They did use a lot of the original locations. The original road at the shootout at the end was used. I'm curious how much De Palma put into that of uh, real settings. Yeah, I don't know.
0: I don't know. But uh, I do know, for example, that the uh, the famous train station scene Mm -hmm. um, was not anywhere near where, because Capone actually had his own train line of course you know of course he did but it was nowhere near the station that it was done in okay by the way there was a real baby in that carriage and it was the stunt coordinator's son
1: is that right yes okay i didn't know that yeah
0: um i read too that you know when when um the uh that big um envelope full of money is dropped on elliot ness's desk as a thank you from capone um i read that in fact the bribe was two one thousand dollar bills in real life. Really, but I guess that didn't carry the same weight as that huge stack of money did. Yeah. Anyway, I also read that it, he did, in fact, of course, turn down the bribe. Uh, not that it would have anything to do with it, but when he eventually died, he was very poor. Uh, the real alieness, yeah, and and he also left a string of ex wives too. You you get sure, the, yeah. the movie that he sets his one true love and the. And, well, in fact, I think they he went through three wives. Yeah.
1: Um, but, you know... Well, like Jessica Rabbit, they just combined them all into one what, amazing one. <laughs>
0: exactly. <laughs> that's exactly what I was yeah. thinking to say. <laughs> um, I did well, uh, read, though, that in real life, during the trial, the judge did switch out the juries. That was a true piece uh, of history. Um, <laughs> and my favorite part about this is Sean Connery would uh, show up to the shoot sometimes in golf clothes and they did their, 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 their whatever and then he would mm-hmm. change back into those clothes and leaves sometimes he would play golf all day and only show up for like five minutes is that right to do one scene and <laughs> Andy Garcia and Charles Martin Smith who by the way Charles Martin Smith was, was amazing yeah. I, I loved his character They would grab him and say, "Uh, man, that's really clever of you. Uh, You just got back from golf, turn up, and uh, do your scene and go home. And then Sean Carter looked them both in the eyes and says, well, is not my first barbecue, boys.
1: (laughs) He's so great. And
0: I'm not even going to try to do that that accent. But, oh, my God, that's so awesome. He's wonderful, yeah. Yeah. And, again, talk about make some money. This movie had a budget of $25 million, and that's 1987 dollars. And it brought in over a hundred and six million. It's not so, bad. Yeah, not a making, bad gamble. Making Cosner a uh, uh, pretty much a, yeah. a household name after that.
1: Yeah, that's interesting. You know,
0: so that was a great one. So,
1: um, I guess we've gotten all the way to our number ones. Yeah. So, well, I mean, since I would I would not dare mention Godfather one or two. <laughs> Um, are Goodfellas, oh, no. oh, um, good, no. Goodfellas. I, I wouldn't mention Goodfellas part one or part two um, uh-huh. Casino being part two oh, Of that okay. franchise um, My number one is The Departed Martin Scorsese film mm. Highly underrated painfully underrated In my opinion uh, I think it's a masterpiece except for maybe the rat at the end Which I guess I found out later Everyone seems to hate I thought maybe I was the only one uh-huh. um, Love it Love it from start to finish I love the story turns I love every character um i love the structure of it just the soundtrack is beautiful didn't see it you didn't see the departed you should really Never see seen it. it i know it's spectacular
0: i uh i know i need to see it and i know i need to see the irishman too which now that you're number one i am amazed is not on your list i i like the
1: irishman i didn't love it really yeah i didn't love it did you um, catch
0: it in the theater on that couple of weeks no i did not out?
1: uh i saw it at home
0: okay yeah okay
1: very well done and really fun movie um
0: so what's it about first of all the irishman yeah no the departed
1: oh the departed uh it's about i guess it's loosely based on uh the hong kong film internal affairs uh but also heavily influenced with the whitey bulger story Mm -hmm. kind of fused in to make a new thing um it's about this it's about a cop that goes undercover with the mafia Okay. and a mafia member that goes undercover with the cops right and they both sort of feeding intelligence back to their respective employers yeah <laughs> um and of course that's the uh that's the uh, matt damon and uh, leonardo dicaprio characters play right. those two opposing forces um the casting is incredible it's 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 miraculous really um everyone's great in it uh I, I did hear a few people were confused because there are a lot of characters with the sort of cop haircut early on. Oh. <laughs> so they get mixed up on who's who. If you can't tell the difference between Matt Damon and Leonardo DiCaprio, I can't help you. Right, like, They look right. like two different people to me. But um, I did hear some confusion on that so when, when this, I talked about it with friends.
0: Is this the one with Johnny Depp?
1: Uh, Johnny Depp is not in this. No, not that I'm aware of. Does he of.
0: play Whitey Bulger in a movie, though?
1: He does, yes. Okay, that's why I'm yeah. confused. Uh, Black Mass uh, okay. is the one he okay. plays Whitey Bulger. Uh, now, The the Departed is not the Waddy baldr story, obviously, but it, there are a lot of those little things that are sort of worked into the. Oh, film. I got you. Yeah. I got you.
0: Okay.
1: And that's the Jack Nicholson character who sort of pay, plays a Waddy Baldry-esque crime boss. I got you. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, just really, it's spectacular. If, if you haven't seen it, you need to see it right away.
0: Right away? Okay. Uh, Podcast Universe, uh, you guys hold back. We'll be back in about two and a half hours.
1: And uh <laughs> well, here I'm gonna I'm gonna drop something on you. Do it. It's a theory that I have. It's never said in the film. Okay. It's a, just a theory that I have, but I I feel that it's a part of the character. When you go back and you watch the film, uh, I'm sorry. When you watch it for the first time, or if the listener has seen it and goes back to rewatch it, uh pay attention to the Matt Damon character, and watch it with the idea that he was molested. Whoa. Okay. Yeah, really.
0: Uh, now, is he the cop that goes undercover? Or he's he the okay.
1: He he is the he is the cop that is actually working for the mafia.
0: Oh, okay. So it's yeah. the other way. So it's the right. mafia guy joins the police. That's right. So that's how it goes, right? Because he he joins the academy and goes through. Or do they come? He pick becomes him a cop. Out?
1: Yeah, he becomes okay. a cop. So
0: he's a bad guy before he becomes. That's a cop. right. Got yeah. you. Okay.
1: Um, he remains a bad guy throughout. Uh-huh. Uh, he's working for the mafia the whole. It's not a spoiler. He, he works for the mafia the whole time. Yeah. Um, but the interesting thing about the way these two opposing forces kind of work is um, they're aware that the other person exists. Neither one of them knows who that other person is. Uh-huh. Um, and the tension that creates is really, it's amazing on, on camera. It, it really works very well. Um, so they each do things that impact the other one, but they don't quite know who the other person is. Um, and, you know, the, the tug of war that kind of happens between these two characters in their respective worlds, they're operating... On the same cases, in the same universe, at the same time, uh-huh. um, you know, the, the undercover cops are trying to find the rat, and the, the mafia guys are trying to find their rat, and right. the way these guys are pulling, and it's really a chess game, yeah. between yeah. the two um, you know, the police, the, the lead of the police uh, and the lead of the organized crime families are really working this board and trying to figure it all out. Um, and the way it comes together. And the finale is insane. Wow. Um, I'm not going to spoil any of that for you, but it's it's spectacular. Well, I appreciate
0: that, because I'll tell you what, I will actually go and watch this film.
1: It's overshadowed by, obviously, Goodfellas, Casino, uh, even Taxi Driver. Scorsese's made so many incredible films through the years. And because it's not Italian mafia, a lot of people kind of write it off. Um, But in my opinion, it's maybe number two. Maybe my number two after Goodfellas for Scorsese. So what kind
0: of mob is it, then?
1: Uh, It's Irish mob. Yeah. Okay. Like *Noah's Crossing*, I guess, kind of in that same world. Yeah. Okay. Set in Boston. A lot of Boston references. A lot of iconography.
0: Uh huh. See now, I I I think who plays the cop who goes into the mob's boss? Like, who's his cop boss?
1: Uh, that's Martin Sheen. That's it. Plays a cop boss. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Uh, there are a couple. There are a couple. Alec Baldwin is one of them. Um, you know, obviously the cops have a team. Yes. Uh, and the organized crime the organized crime guys do as well.
0: Oh okay, okay,
1: but really perfect cast it really it's a very large cast. And I think one of the turnoffs is um, kind of universal in some of these crime movies where there is a lot of things happening at once. Oh okay. um, it's not a super clean thread to follow. You're jumping around a lot. you well, sounds this character like tons of bit, layers. Many, many layers. Um, I, I tend to not have trouble tracking plot. I'm also a writer. That probably helps. But no. I tend to not have trouble tracking plot. Some of the criticisms I saw is because of the density of the film. But I love a film that's dense. I well, love, I'm pretty
0: dense. I love dense, a lot of character. So. You
1: are. I've noticed that about you. The- it's really a lot of characters. There's a lot going on. But in my opinion, it's beautifully orchestrated. It's perfectly written and directed.
0: Well, as a thank you, I will watch that film
1: good i will i you, will you I must will watch suffer it. Through it. i would demand you watch it <laughs>
0: i just I, i've got no problem with matt damon mm-hmm. but that other guy leonardo what's his name dicaprio no i never heard of him no i just there's some reason i just i don't i've really tried to i li- really tried to like wolf of wall street you mm-hmm. know i've tried to watch that,
1: that's a good film but he's so much better in the departed yes
0: well i'm gonna find out because i will watch this film okay Just like I have to finish watching Full Metal Jacket for Damon. Okay. So, (laughs) well, before we get to my number one, I have to tell you that when um, I got this, we got this idea settled, uh, I knew right away what my number one movie was going to be. Okay. But I was also pretty positive of what my number two movie was going to be. And it's a deeply seated New York mafia movie that until I was able to track down a copy on, on eBay and sit down and watch, I was positive. It was going to be number two. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: So have you ever heard of the John Landis movie called innocent blood? Never heard of it. Okay. So (laughs) it's this very interesting movie from, um, from 1992, uh, where you've got Anthony LaPaglia, who plays a cop, who is inserted himself into the mob. Okay. The mob boss being Robert Legia. Uh, his second is uh, Don Rickles.
1: Who's amazing.
0: <laughs> amazing. And uh, so what happens is, is this guy, uh, his, his name is Joe. So Joe is getting closer and closer to the boss. And he's about ready to be able to take him down, when after leaving a meeting, he, this woman, uh, almost gets run over by um, the mom boss's car. Okay, and so Joe, being a, a really nice guy in real life, stops to help her, and she's got this this very exotic look to her in this beautiful French accent, and he takes her back to his hotel when they start to um, get a little hot and frisky, she ends up taking off. And to make a long story short, she's a vampire. Oh. (laughs) And she realizes she was going to eat him because she knew that they were mobsters. But then when she got with him, she realized he was actually a good guy. So instead, she turns around and tries to, and does, track down Sally, Robert Legia's character, and goes to feast on him but is interrupted and has to escape which therefore allows him to turn into a vampire himself at which point he turns around and makes manny don rickle's character into a vampire okay and then they made two friends and then they make two friends and it sounds like this incredible movie and I love me some John Landis, American Werewolf in London. You yeah, know it's one of sure. my top movies. But oh, after I watched it, I just couldn't bring myself to do it. Okay. So there's this one scene where she's fixing to bite Joe. Um, after a while, they get back together and they pair up and they realize what they're doing, and um, they're about to make make Whoopi, and he's worried that she's going to bite him, and she's she says something like, "No, don't worry. I'm I'm not hungry for Italian tonight."
1: And I'm just going, oh, oh my man. god! He said the quiet part out loud. <laughs> yeah. But uh, so anyway. the the guy that's the guy that's creating new vampires is another organized crime.
0: He is the boss.
1: That's, that's an interesting metaphor it for is. like making new members. Well, and that's there's a the line mob. in
0: there, and I'm going to put it in right here, but I'm going to butcher it. So, but it's like you're going to be made men, but when you're made by me. Nobody can touch you. I
1: figured he'd go there at some point. Yeah, it's really cool
0: in that, um, like you could see, she gets the... Uh, I'm bringing it up here. She's, she gets the red eyes when she goes to okay. feast, you know. And these are full-on, um, like, just... If you can imagine what a mafia vampire is, that's what this... There's none of this, okay. I want to drink your blood. Sure, or, sure. You know, they don't turn into, you know, bats or anything, but they, it's, it's incredible. And then Don Rickles' wife... Uh, after he shows back up from being dead, it's 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 a crazy movie. But um, I, I have it if you ever want to watch it. If you've got, it's got hour. a six
1: point two on uh, yeah IMDb. And that,
0: uh, I love you, John Landis, but that's being generous. Okay, uh, it's, <laughs> I really. But anyway, so the, the 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 crux of the story was I was positive that that yeah. was going to be number two. Now, having said that, I was positive of what my number one film was going to be. And lo and behold, I'm correct. And it's a movie that we haven't even, even touched on, not even once, never even talked about. Okay. And it's a movie that, after rewatching again, blew my mind at how much of that movie has stuck with me unknowingly to today. Okay. So I'm talking about the movie that was that was that was touted as being organized crime has never been so disorganized. Talk about Johnny Dangerously.
1: Never saw it. Oh my god. Johnny Dangerously.
0: You never heard of it? No. Oh, this is even better. It stars Michael Keaton as okay, I'm already in. as Johnny Kelly, who is also the titular Johnny Dangerously, Maureen Stapleton as Ma Kelly, and Griffin Dunn as uh, Tommy Kelly. Okay. And the story follows, uh, starts off with a young Michael Keaton, who's the older brother. His father's gone. And mm. the mother, who is, I can't decide if she's a hypochondriac or if she's just really, really unlucky. So she has to have this surgery and they can't pay for it because they live in the slums of New York. And Johnny ends up doing a job for um, Peter Boyle, Jocko Dundee. Okay. Who's one of the two crime bosses and so he gives Johnny a job and Johnny said no that's I I did this that's all I I needed this money to to help my mom and then sure enough the mom has to have another surgery Mm
2: -hmm.
0: and as a youngster he meets a young guy named Danny Verman, and then as they grow up and Johnny has taken more and more and more of the organization on Danny Verman shows back up Played by Joe Piscopo. Okay. And this is where one of the two things that I was blown away. So I don't know if you've ever heard me, but like if, if someone, you know, like if you bump into me and I'll go, don't bump into me, my mother bumped into me once, once. That's where this okay. comes through from the movie. All right. And <laughs> it happens just like three or four times through the movie. Um, <laughs> it goes from... Um, uh, when Johnny first meets him as an adult, he picks him up and hangs him on a door hook. And he's like, Don't hang me on a door hook, Johnny. My mother hung me on a door hook once. Once. And then later Perfect. he gets shot and he says, Don't shoot me, Johnny. My grandmother shot me once. Once. <laughs> but uh, it's got a. It's, it,
1: is it played as comedy? It is okay, played as comedy. All right.
0: Weird Al Yankovic. Because I can, the also, theme I can song. see a
1: version of this played straight. And still being funny.
0: Well, no, it's it's very funny. Okay. As a matter of fact, um, uh, Danny is, is, is so um, proud of his 88 Magnum pistol, okay. which he has to pull out from, like, inside of his pants sure, leg. Yeah. And his buddy Dutch is like, yeah, they made that special for him. And Danny goes, yeah, it shoots through schools. <laughs> but... It's such a good movie. The, uh, Dom DeLuise uh, is in it uh, with a role as uh, the Pope. Okay,
2: sure, and I'm the Pope. Hey, Pope, how'd you know? Oh, Johnny, everybody knows except your mother and your brother. And as far as we're concerned, nobody's gonna say nothing. Thanks, Your Holiness. I tell you what, build yourself a new gym at the Vatican, eh? Oh. Oh
0: um danny devito plays a crooked da and so as they get older griffin dunn who plays tommy kelly he they have no idea about who johnny really is he goes to law school and becomes the new assistant district attorney and his first goal in office is to bring down johnny dangerously okay who he doesn't know is his own brother So, there's a lot of cool things that happen in this movie. If you haven't seen it, I really do want you to see it. If nothing else, for the portrayal of Richard Dimitri as Roman Maroney. Okay. He is the other mob boss who is not really from America, but you can't kind of figure out where he is. He's got his own little dialect. (laughs) So... (laughs) At one point, when he's being put into jail, he sits in front of him and says,
2: You lousy corksuckers, you have violated my Fargan rights. This samanambatching country was founded so that the liberties of common patriotic citizens like me could not be taken away by a bunch of Fargan ice holes like yourselves. Thank you very much.
0: And just never curses, but never uses the right
1: words. Right, I'm,
0: I'm going to cut off your I do. arms. I do. Need
1: to, I'm assuming this is the kind of movie that's not streaming anywhere and you have to have the DVD. Right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I've got it. I'll loan it to, love to you. I'd love to see it.
0: It is uh, It is great. And it's a movie that I can actually remember going and watching at least three times at the Dollar Cinema in Alexandria. Okay. I loved it so much. Um, Mary Lou Henner plays his girlfriend slash later on wife. And uh, it's uh, <laughs> it's my number one. and I knew it was going to be my number one. Johnny Dangerously. All right,
1: it's on the list.
0: There you go. It's a great one. Uh,
1: I'm really surprised you've never heard of it. No. Yeah? You know, it could be one of those movies, too, where when I start watching it, I'll recognize it mm-hmm. from something I saw a long time yeah. ago. Uh, is it is it 80s, I'm assuming? Yes, Early it's like 84. Four, five, Mid-80s. something okay. like that. Yeah.
0: Um, one of my favorite things in the movie is you know Ray Walston, my favorite Martian. Yes. Uh, okay. Yeah. So throughout the movie, he plays a newsstand vendor who stands on the side, you know, extra, extra. Yeah. And so at one point, he gets hit in the head by uh, a whole bundle of newspapers, and he, you know, knocks him out, and then it kind of picks him up, and he's like, "What? Oh my God! I, I can't see!" And he's he's blind, mm-hmm. and that's it. And then, I don't know, another 20, 30 minutes into the movie, you go by that strange street corner, and there he is wearing his, his glasses. You know, it's been 10 years. And another bundle of papers hits him in the head. And he wakes up, and he's like, oh, my God, I can see again. Wait, but I can't hear. <laughs> What's wrong? That sounds
1: horribly brilliant. It, it is.
0: Yes. It is. And uh, like I said, the the soundtrack being done by a polka-perfect Weird Al Yankovic just okay. is just the icing on the cake. There's musical numbers in it, but it's not a musical. Um, it's uh, and it was actually directed by uh Amy Heckerling. Okay, when I read that, I was like, Well, oh, what I, I know this woman, oh, she's done so great. So it's just funny to me to go back and realize how much of that movie has stuck with me, not realizing, yeah, that's where it comes from. Okay, you know, but uh, yep, so that's it's, my number
1: one. All right, I'm gonna cue that one up. All right, all right.
0: While this has been an utter blast,
1: and I'm glad we didn't talk about Godfather one or two, <laughs> our, our Goodfellas. No, I'm not. I'm not talking talk, about it. No, I'm just saying I'm glad we didn't.
0: Right. Well, we. I mean, we were talking about the fact that we didn't talk no, about them. I wouldn't dare. Uh, we didn't talk. I may have talked about them. That's right. But that still didn't break the rule. So no, I'm with you. Um, great,
1: great films,
0: <laughs> all around. So I will have to watch The party I will. So um, now that this is in the can. I think we should really sit down and figure out what a heist movie is going to be. Yeah, and what our favorites are going to be. I already got it. It's you're, done. You already done.
1: I'm ready. Whatever. Okay. Well, uh, do it right now.
0: Universe. Hold on. Right. We'll be right back.
1: <laughs> Soon. We should schedule it. There's actually there's one recommended to me. I need to see. I haven't okay. seen
0: it yet. So there's actually since you you said we, did we just talk about this yesterday
1: at tacos uh, heist movies yeah um, briefly yeah, yeah. As, as an idea of maybe yeah. doing another podcast. Um,
0: today i happened to be at lunch just kind of you know, I, I pulled it up and there's a movie that i have never seen from the early 80s okay that right away now it's a it's a train robbery but still a heist
1: sure yeah that so counts
0: i'm i'm gonna end up watching that one too
1: okay you know um
0: well cool well uh where can people find you uh i know that you do some creativity um sessions and all this. so where where can we reach out and find you uh
1: social media twitter instagram at cody chamberlain that's cody with a k um on facebook at cody chamberlain creative so i guess someone already had the other version so i kind of had to settle that
0: friggin arsehole. um
1: yeah i got you know what i've been off offline a little bit on the comic scene because i've been working on some things that i can't talk about Shh. one of them is actually not even a comic or a no. film or anything yeah it's kind of a It's a tech startup, honestly. Wow. And so I've been working on that pretty hard for the last couple years. Okay. And we're getting really close to announcing some things. So now would be a good time to follow if you haven't already.
0: Can we we buy in shares now or do we have to wait? No shares. No No shares.
1: No shares. Not yet. Maybe soon.
0: Oh, God. Well, awesome. Well, I I want to invite everyone out there to to take a look and search out for Cody. You don't have to look too far because he has got his fingers in lots of stuff. So – that kind of brings us to an end of this episode. Uh, I want to thank you one more time, Cody, for being here. It's been an absolute pleasure. Uh, would also like to thank all of you out there in the podcast universe for joining us again for another episode of faith five from fans. We love putting out this show and we'll continue to release episodes every Friday. You can find us at the Acadiana open channel podcast network. Or you can subscribe to the show via Apple Podcasts or iTunes on Spotify, Stitcher, iTunes, Podbean, or really wherever you grab your podcast from. What about
1: TuneIn? TuneIn is another
0: great one. So please rate and review us. We love those five-star reviews. Um, By doing that, you help more people hear about us. And maybe we can grow to eight, yes, eight listeners. Hey, we showed up in Norway last week. Is that right? Yes, yes. Uh, So, we'd also love it if you interact with us on Twitter at Fave the number five from fans on our Facebook page or on the gram, as those kids say. We here at Fave Five from fans are excited to be part of the slightly irregular podcast network. You can find us at SIPnet.us on the aforementioned gram. The SIP Network is a varied podcast of podcasters, such as the Terrible Terror Podcast, the Podcast from Another World, Dead Hand Radio, the Paranormal Activity Podcast, Angry Dad Podcast, the Back in Time, man, I promised I wouldn't sing again, From the Wastes, and us, Pay Five from Fans. And remember, folks, it may not be the best, it may not be the most popular, but if it's your favorite, then that's good enough for us. Cody, thanks so much. Glad to be here. Thanks. This is Hulkboard from Hollywood signing off.
2: This is a I buy a dozen cars when I'm in the mood. I hire somebody to chew my food. I'm an ugly mobile dude. This is a lie. They say that money corrupts you, but I can't really tell. I got the whole world at my feet and I think, think, think it's pretty swell. swell. I got women lined up outside my house.